What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad to be with you. I'm your host this evening, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, alongside the voice of the Texans and vice president oh boy. of broadcasting. Why'd you throw that in there? Because I heard you say it to DP on the podcast the other day, and she mentioned that about you. And I thought, you know, I've never, I've never said that, even though I know it. And I'm very, I'm very proud of it. Proud that you were my boss, and proud that you were uh, proud of you leading that department. But I just have never said that before. Never said it out loud. Vice I don't president, really. What a vice president of broadcasting and digital, correct? I am not really into titles, Johnny. You know, this, know. The, the one title that means so much to me is Voice of the Texans. Yes. Because I go back to that, and people have seen the movie Casino. You know, with yes. Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci, mm-hmm. which at the time seems sort of disappointing because it's not as good as Goodfellas. But not as good as Goodfellas leaves a lot of room for excellence still. Yeah. And it really is excellent casino. Anyway, in that movie, De Niro is running the casino, but he's got to keep changing titles because he doesn't have the gambling license. So I told Jamie Roots when I got the job, I don't care if you call me food and beverage director, you know, because that's what he was <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for a stretch. That's Entertainment right, director. Was. Call me food and beverage manager. I don't care. I just want to work here and do my thing and have my crew and do what we do, which is create all this great content on digital video, audio, wherever it is heard and consumed. Yeah, no doubt. Speaking of, if you haven't seen the Dylan Cole 53 yet, the 53 colon Dylan Cole, it is outstanding. It is outstanding. In fact, Dylan retweeted it the other day. It's about seven and a half minutes, and it tells the story of his first touchdown. Mm-hmm. and the family, the little girl that he gave the ball to. It's an unbelievable story told extremely well by our man, Tyler Sudar. Suds does a tremendous job with it. It is yep. so, so very good. So you've got to check that out. Yes. Yeah, you're going to feel it. And it's probably – it's one of the most well-received videos we've ever had. Yeah. And it's getting viewed a lot, obviously, but also the comments, you know, because it's the NFL. Anything in the NFL right now posted by any team, you get some, you get a lot of positive comments. You get sure. some you know, cynical of people. Course. But this one has been so positive, and it's just wonderful. So check it out on HoustonTexans.com. Yes, it is very, very well done. Mark, we are – we're a week away from uh, – training camp, Technic to me, I know it doesn't start till Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But technically, training camp starts next week. And teams are starting to report the Ravens rookies have been there since last Wednesday. Wow. They've been there for a while. That's a long haul for them. That's almost burnout city. It, 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 when you think about it, eight weeks before you play your first regular season game, I, ooh, ew, that's man. a lot. And they've already been in the building for a long time. I know yeah. they had their break, but geez. It, ooh, man. Rookie wall. You talk about rookie wall. It's a real thing, man. Well, here's the one thing that got me, because I've, I've got this question from some people, and I'm not totally sure how to answer it, but some people say, well, why do the rookies report earlier than the veterans? And I thought it might have been just team choice right, to a degree, but I'm not totally sure. I'm sure there's something in the CBA that says you can have a certain amount of time with rookies. The Texans have not done that that I can remember hmm. ever. It's been rookies and veterans reporting on the same day, and let's go to battle the next day. Huh. Well, I know they stay longer at the end of minicamp. Right. They stay a little longer. They have the symposium, too, or whatever. Uh, And I'm not sure what the official is on that, on rookies getting in earlier, if at all. But I think they feel like after they're – 
you know, here for so long, longer yeah. than the veterans as far as, you know, they get in. Now, of course, the veterans have been here for the strength and conditioning program, but you get my drift. Right. Rookies are doing practice before the veterans are, and they stay a little bit longer. I think they feel like that's enough, if I can speak for them right yeah, now. Yeah, no doubt. Friday, a little bit of news that happened later in the afternoon. Jeff Allen was, he went on the uh, on the pup list, yeah, dealing with some injuries, and the day that that information had come out, I remember seeing. I remember seeing Jeff in the building. He was walking the other direction. And I remember thinking hmm, something, something doesn't feel right about right. this. That was back in what April or May at that point, and he had been away from the club from that from that time forward. And then before we go to the Greenbrier, there had to be a decision made. A decision made was uh, to release him from uh, from his contract at that point. We've talked all offseason, Mark, about the offensive line. I don't think at any point, and I don't know about you, but I was asked this question at a season ticket holder or section leader meeting a couple a couple of nights in the last week, and they asked me about Jeff Allen, and I wasn't really sure how to answer it. Of course, the very next day we found out. I don't think I ever planned on Jeff being here for the 2018 yeah. season at all. So that news, albeit not the greatest news for Jeff and his family, and Jeff was great to us and was great on the air with us, but I don't think at any point I ever thought that Jeff had a, sh- a chance to not only get into the starting five but be on this roster in 2018. So I didn't find it as earth-shattering news, and maybe some people did, maybe some people didn't. I don't know. But I never expected Jeff to be back for 2018. What would you think about that decision finally being made on Jeff? Well, I know he's going into the third year of his deal here, and, and I know it didn't work out as well as they wanted it to. Right. Let's just put it that way. And contracts being are what they are, and professional football, it just looked like that could be a situation that would get resolved, for lack of a better way of putting it, before yeah. the start of the season. Right. And here's the other tip-off. They signed two free agent guards, yeah. okay? That, that started other places. That should be an indicator that maybe they're thinking of going in another direction, and clearly they did. And you and I have been talking about this offensive line and how Senio Calamete fits in and Zach Fulton and everything. And we really never included Jeff Allen in our plans. Right. So I think that should have tipped people off as well. So here you go. No Jeff Allen on the roster. This offensive line, and I wrote about this. I mean, when you have to pinpoint one group, one group that needs the most concentration, that has, uh, you know, I hate to say the most pressure. Everybody's got pressure, but. It's going to have a ton of scrutiny. They got to come together quickly. You know, you could say the secondary with those three new faces, yep. okay, and Kareem working at safety, but the offensive line with four new starters, my goodness, they need to gel and fast. And whatever they did in OTAs, I'm sure helps. But look, they had injury issues there. Martin unavailable to play, and you know, Martinez Rankin. You'd love to see something out of him. I don't think he's a projected starter or anything, right. but you still want to see something out of him. So you're still going to be moving guys around. Let's hope they can get their starting five. What they think their starting five is out there day one. How big would that be, Johnny? So you get six weeks with these guys together because you have teams around the league who have six years with not the whole five together, but you get my drift. Yeah, the Cowboys. You get a lot of – did I say get my drift twice in one segment? I think I did. But you got a lot of teams out there that have a lot more continuity on their own line than the Texans. And if big things are going to happen with this football team, this group's going to need to play well. If – if we put health just up on a shelf and say that's always the that's always the biggest and main concern for for not only this team but considering the guys that missed time in 2017 due to injury, we just put that up on a shelf. That's kind of a Hall of Fame concern, if you will. You don't even talk about that. Is the biggest concern in your mind going to the Greenbrier, the offensive line? Yes. 
There's no question. It, it's that. And you and I have talked about some of the subtleties, like, ooh, the running back position. What if Deontay Foreman can't be healthy week one? Yeah. We just mentioned the secondary. Linebackers we feel good about. People say, well, what about Brian Cushing? Well, you went the bulk of the season without him anyway. Yeah. And I know Cole got hurt. Everybody got hurt, it seems. Uh, but you feel really good about McKinney and Zach Cunningham and Dylan Cole being in that linebacking core, the outside linebackers with Whitney coming back and Clowney assuming he is one, an outside linebacker. But I got to say, it's the offensive line. You have all those new starters. You have a group that, you know, you have to be five fingers in the hand and the fist. You know, all the cliches. They're there for a reason. This group has to be together. And I'm hoping that that OTA work helps. But the physical work, they all say it. You're not going to know what you really have until you get into pads. But you like what you see on Kelamete. I know you do yeah. when you've watched the tape. Zach Fulton, you like what you see. You know Nick Martin can play. The tackles, and I'll, let's zero in on that. The tackles, you're going to need consistency, continuity somehow. You hope Henderson and Davenport can get it done, and everybody stays healthy along with that. Boy, those two guys that tackle end up staying healthy, and, and, and you feel like you've, you've got something with those two players. Chantrell on a one-year contract. Julian still had three starts last year. The first start, he only lasted a half, and then Chris Clark came into the game and then started the last two games. As I've heard heard it put, and I think this is probably best said, it felt like the light went on for Julian those last couple of games. Mm-hmm. He wasn't facing a bunch of slappies. He was facing T.J. Watt, who was one of the better rookie rushers, and obviously we know the connection to J.J., his brother and such. But he also faced Jabal Sheard. Sheard is a guy that has given every Texans offensive tackle. He gave Derek Newton a ton of trouble when he was playing with the Patriots. He gave Breno Giacomini trouble uh, when uh, with the Colts. I mean, Sheard gives everybody trouble. And yet, Julian held his own very well in that game. If I have a concern with the offensive line, I said this the other night. When I was asked about it, of course, everybody wants to talk about the health of the team. How's yeah. JJ? How's Deshaun? How's Deontay? Is Whitney ready to go? Really, we don't know about I mean, any of those. We have a good idea that Watson is going to be ready. We have a pretty good idea that J.J. is going to be ready. Not sure we know much about Deontay. I mean, that's an Achilles. That's a, that's a tricky one. We, we don't yeah. know. But at least we saw J.J. golf. Hey, look, yeah. if you're golfing, then you can handle the torque golf of your legs. Golf is so brutally physical. No, well, I'm just kidding. But the back and the legs. Right, and exactly. Yeah, the torque you. and the yeah. swing and all that kind of stuff. So you would think J.J. is going to be ready. Now, will they limit reps and stuff? At I think they would do it for a few guys. So, right. so absolutely. But at that point, to me, it's the offensive line. I said the top. The, the front five guys, if we started today, it was Davenport, Kelamete, Martin, Fulton, and, and Chantrell Henderson. That's an 80% complete changeover. Mm-hmm. Martin, the only guy that's different. I think those five will play together at a much better rate and play better than the five they had last year that started. I think there will be an increased play in the front five, the starting five. If I have a worry, and you mentioned one of them, you mentioned Martinez Rankin. I worry about the depth at tackle. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about that because you got Henderson, and he hasn't played a lot the last few years, but he did obviously early in his career. Then he had some of the, the physical issues that put him in the hospital and things that he had to deal with with Crohn's and things like that. And then you've got Julian who hasn't started a whole lot. But then beyond them, I'm not totally sure what you do. And Martinez Rankin is a name that you mentioned. He didn't do anything at OTAs in, in during the offseason much because he was nursing a uh, lower body injury, a lower leg injury. I want to say ankle, but I could be wrong. But he he didn't do anything in the offseason. Right. And so and he's a rookie. And he's a rookie. So there, there's that whole thing. And I think he can play. I, I love Martinez Rankin. I think it was a great pick to be able to give him a third round. But obviously he's got to be healthy to get on the field. So 
if he's not full go at the start of camp, then I think the depth of the tackle position becomes very, very dicey. Yeah, one, that worries me. You're one injury away from, oh, my gosh, what is plan B? Right. You know, and you know they think about this. And right. Maybe there's a veteran out there they're thinking of signing. You know, right. Pro bowlers don't grow on trees, but maybe there's somebody who can help them a little bit along the way. And they might need that anyway, Johnny. They yeah. might need that kind I, of guy anyway. You know, you're a, a, Chris, a latter-day Chris Clark type who, yeah. you know, started a bunch of games for this team and – you know, he actually – they won some games with him. They, they put up missed some Chris with Clark him. when he was out last year. They missed him. They missed him. At so tackle. can you find another guy like that who maybe is available via trade? or I don't know if you can make a trade. I mean, what do you have a surplus of around here? I'm not so sure I can say that. No, the one thing you do have, though, not that you want to get rid of – not that you want to just out there willy-nilly, but you do have a couple of second-rounders. But, but if you're going to give up one of those second-rounders, yeah. you're going to have to get a – a Trent Williams or somebody in return, right? You're, you're not, you're not going to get that. It's like that. a baseball team trading pitching in spring training. They're not going to do it. No. Opponents are not going to do that. They're, get rid of a tackle right now. What am I crazy? Right. Unless they have a contractual situation or whatever, but unlikely that that's the case at this time of year, especially people have already made those kinds of moves. Yeah. I think that, yeah, you're looking at opponents who are going to keep everything they've got because they're going to go through their injury issues perhaps in training camp, and they want to keep their depth. So you're just going to have to go with it. And it's one of those things you know they wanted to fix it in the offseason, right. and it's very hard to fix in one offseason. You no just doubt. have to kind of go with it and do the best you possibly can. And beyond that, who are you going to fix it with? You had one. You had an opportunity for a guy that's you know Nate Solder. That was yeah. really the name guy that was out there, and I don't know that that was going to be beneficial to you because the money that you would have paid Nate Solder – you were able to get Tyron Matthew and Aaron Colvin together. Yeah. So you really – and then in the draft, we talked about it often, there really weren't that many guys that you could say, that's a guy. It, that's a guy we would love to have. If Solder were Orlando Pace or Jonathan Ogden in his prime or whatever, not those guys now, but if Solder were one of those guys, okay. You know, overpay. Oh, plus he's still a Patriot too. Overpay yeah. for that. But, yeah, he's probably still going to be a Patriot at right. that point, right? Although they probably yeah, – I don't know. I don't know. I mean, do, they, do they pay f- – if Solder was all of that, would the Patriots have paid him? Tom Brady would have pulled it out of his little day fund and paid him. Yeah, now Brady is making $75 a year because he's not making any money. <laughs> and then after he's done playing, he's going to inherit an island of the Pacific that Robert Kraft has mysteriously funneled to him somehow. Oh, that's Oh, that's happened. There's no question that's happened. <laughs> See, that's my theory. Oh, I'm with you on that. I'm theory. with you on that theory. It's Somehow theory. he's going to end up with, like, you know, the George Washington Bridge or something. It's, it's going to be huge. <laughs> Mark, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Johnny. One of the things about coming to summer camp, a.k.a. training camp, is you got to be in shape. you got to be conditioned. The Texans will have their conditioning test next Wednesday. What will it be like? Well, we'll talk to Drew Doherty about that next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. John Harris here. My man, Drew Doherty, there. Drew, how you doing, buddy? How was I'm your weekend? great. It was good. It's uh, good to be back with you. We are almost there, man. We're almost there. We're almost a week. There. Yep. Next week at this time on this Monday show, we will all serious. be packed up and getting ready to go. Uh-huh. Training camp starts. Players report on the 25th. Mm-hmm. That is a Wednesday. They will report here. In Houston, they will do their conditioning tests, their initial meetings. 
They will do all that here. Then they will get on a plane and fly to the Greenbrier for practice starting on Thursday morning, which I believe is like 10. It's 10.40-ish, yeah. Local time. Local time. Local time. So like 9.40 here. So that will also. Wait, 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 wait. You said conditioning test. I wonder, A, what it is, and B, if we could, how we would do if we were to take that. I don't want to take it with them and be embarrassed in front of them, but I'm curious. What is it? Well, here. I'm very curious about this lately. I like. I look up what the Navy SEALs have to do, and I mm-hmm. look up what, uh, you know, to make this team you have to I, – I've, I've seen all these different thresholds, you know, what you have to do in the Army. So it it, uh, it interests me. What do they have to do? I'm curious how it's changed over the years. I believe it has something to do with 100-yard sprints. Uh-huh. Now, I'm not totally sure. I think you've got to make it in a certain amount of time, I believe. Yeah. Our conditioning test many, many, many eons ago, I still think is a really good one. It could be – it had a lot of – it felt like it had a real-world application. Yeah. And here's what it was. We would have to run two 40-yard dashes, our fastest 40. First of all, you get your – Sprinting. You get – yeah, you sprint for – do your 40-yard dash just like you do uh-huh. the combine. So everybody gets a time, basically. Yep. You know how fast. You get a you get a registered time for all your players, which sure. is good. It's always good to have that. Then what you – what we would do for the – we would do the 1040s test. So what we have to do is then run 1040s within half a second of our best time. So if you ran, oh, man, really? so, so you ran four five. That's like intervals, huh? You had to run every 40 under five seconds, and all you had in between was essentially the length of a play, like for. The, the distance yeah, so it was you, that was an interval workout. Yeah. You guys were doing an interval. It workout. was like a twenty. Yeah. It was like twenty five seconds or so, I believe. Uh huh. And it sound. I mean, you listen to it and you're like, that sounds easy. Well, that piano gets on your back uh-huh. about rep That's eight tough. That's or tough. nine, and it was tough. My sophomore year, I made it. My junior year, I popped my hamstring when I'm my first uh-huh. forty, like thirty yards, just completely popped it. And then my senior year, I, I was very disappointed. I was in better shape my senior year, but for some reason, my last I missed my last one. Mm. And you, I think we were afforded one. You can you can miss one, and, and you were cool. If not, you were in the uh, you were in the breakfast club, or whatever it was called. You had to wake up early and come in. And, you had to wake yeah. up early, do some early workouts for how many ever days you miss. So if you missed like three of them, you had to come in for three days and do the breakfast club, and then you're then you were done at that point. Uh, you didn't have to go back and retest the the ten forty test. I always thought that was a really good testing mechanism because you got to sprint for four or five seconds. So it's like it's basically playing a play, mm-hmm. and then you would it's get pra- your rest. It's football practical. Yeah, it's football practical. I got one for you. Okay. I and I've I've started doing this on a monthly basis. I'm I still need to do the second one. Yeah. That, but <laughs> but okay. Here's what it is. Okay. And. Trainers out there, if you're listening, they might be rolling over and rolling their eyes. Like, <laughs> what is this Yahoo thinking? Yeah. But I do as many pull-ups as I can. I yeah. max out on pull-ups. Yep. Get down from the pull-up bar, go over to the bench. I have it all set up. Mm-hmm. Bench my body weight yeah. as many times as I can. Yeah. Put that up. Get down and do as many sit-ups in a minute as I can. And then I go get in the pool and uh, swim a while and time it. Yeah. How often do you do that? Well, like I said, I'm I'm gonna do it on a monthly. I don't want to do oh, that every it, no, every no, 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 day, no, I but say. I I did it a week ago, and I'm gonna do it when we get back from camp. I so. can only imagine what the conditioning tests are for Navy SEALs. Oh, I've heard yeah, some. I've read serious. some of the things. One of my my roommates in college wanted to be a Navy SEAL, and I remember him telling me, "He's like, 
he was from Frisco, Texas, back when Frisco was a little small town. He used to be. Yeah. And he was from there. He was country as could be. But this dude, we would go play racquetball. We played a squash court smaller, so, you know, points would last forever. We would play racquetball for like three hours. We would come back. To, I'd be laid out on my bed. Uh-huh. He's like, all right, I'll see you. John, I'm going for my run. This dude was. He, he was trying to be a Navy SEAL or already? He wanted to be a Navy yeah, SEAL. Yeah, yeah. And he said, he said one of the tests was they just fly over the ocean and just drop you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, good luck. Oof. Like, first of all, you got to swim to shore. Then you've got to find your way at that point. I was like, I don't, I couldn't. Yeah, those guys For, like forget that. And they so. do a weird. They don't just, they don't just swim freestyle or just swim. They do. They have like this oh, their own stroke that they do. That I, it, I when I've seen it, I'm like, uh, it's just confusing. I, I can't know. even imagine. I've heard, I've heard some teams will do, you know, like I said, the the hundreds test. Now I don't know what the Texans do, but I've I've heard a couple of guys talk about hundreds, and I think they've got to make. They've got to make it under a certain amount of time, I believe, yeah. for for their hundreds. And I, I think the last couple of years they've all come back. I think they've been 100% conditioning-wise, I believe, the last uh, last couple of years. So I don't know exactly what to do for conditioning, but they will do that here, Yeah, which will be tough. Sorry to take outside. us down that uh No, I like tangent. the fact that we went down that road. Because another thing, I sent you you and Eric Santo Asensius and some more podcasts to listen to. About the the soccer stuff, yeah, I've heard them. The adver- they advertised it during Crime Town, so good. I wanted to listen to it's it. It's good. It's enjoyable. Not as good as Crime Town, but still very enjoyable. But the 1990 U.S. Men's World Cup team, mm-hmm. they didn't have like they would practice a little bit, and then they were just sent off into the wild basically before their next because they didn't have like an organized program like they do wow. now, and not all the guys were playing professionally. Yeah, so like there was one guy who was an aerospace engineer. And he would practice like kicking a ball against a wall and stuff. <laughs> but when they came back each time, they what their their conditioning test was. Yeah. They had to run two miles under twelve minutes, I think. Which that's, I mean, that's that's fairly salty. Yeah, that's not it's not backbreaking, but it's not no. easy either. No, it's, it's so I just not. that's why I've I've started taking benchmarks. I'm making sure that I get my boots. miles now that I'm 46. That I get my miles yeah. under 12 minutes, just a mile. Uh, but I've <laughs> but I've gotten better. I, I never used to run long distances because I played. Football, basketball, baseball, mm-hmm. and you didn't run long distances in those. It was always start, stop, change Bursts, of direction, yeah. burst. So it was always it was always sprints and sprints of of different forms. I I read. I remember when I first got our conditioning booklet uh, when I was a going to be a freshman at Brown, and this was the summer conditioning booklet mm-hmm. you were supposed to follow. And I was trying to follow it to a T. You know, this is nineteen ninety summer nineteen ninety. Yeah. I remember one of the one of the days it said do the fart leg. Have you heard yeah. of that? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I had I never heard of the fart leg at that point, and I remember looking at it. and I was like, man, what's the fart leg? I, what what is this? And I looked at what it was like. The way they described it was, you run a half mile as fast as you can, mm-hmm. and then you jog a half mile, and then you run uh, eight hundred, you know, eight hundred meters, half mile. Yeah. You run that as fast as you possibly can go. And then you jog it again. So I think you do that for two miles. And I try. I tried it the first time. I'm like, oh my god, I yeah, yeah. I I almost died. It's taxing, man. I almost died. I have not seen the term fart like in forever, in mm-hmm. forever. And apparently, it's like a Swedish word. It's not. Well, it's a guy. It's a sweet. I think it's a Swedish guy. His yeah. name was Robin Fartlike, uh-huh. and he came up with this. Well, the reason I know that is the other day I've got the Nike Run Club app on my phone, and that's oh, how wow. I run. It tracks everything, and it, every now and again they'll pop up with a little, you know, with a little uh, notification or whatever, saying, "Hey, do this," or "Hey, do that," and it popped up and said, "One hard, two 
slow. I think I can't remember how they phrased it, but essentially it was the farther. Mm-hmm. But it was a little different saying one hard, two slow. And I think what they were saying was run one minute for as, as hard as you can go, and then two. It's like you're recovering, but you're still staying active. Right, mm-hmm. right. And I was like, that's different than what we were given. That I could I could see, and that I could I could seemingly handle. But 800 meters as fast as I could go, and then 800 meters in a jog, and then do it again. Whew, okay, based off of this that. this conversation here, you would enjoy following a guy on Instagram and Twitter named Stu S T E W Smith. He he was a Navy SEAL. He wrote books about how to train to be a Navy SEAL. But yeah. he's got some pretty interesting workouts he'll put up, and he's like. You do this, this, and this, and then rest with uh, 25 push-ups. Like, that's his rest right, or whatever. You right, know, It's like, thanks, guy. Well, the it popped up this weekend on, on – it may have been on before, but my daughter and I – I don't know why my daughter has, has liked this as much, but the the CrossFit competition, the mm. world mm-hmm. CrossFit competition yeah. that, yeah. that Reebok does, they do a documentary on it every single year. And they did it last year, and we watched it, and she was just – Oh, I can't wait for this to come out. And so they did another one on the 2017 championship. And then while we're at the Green Bar, they'll have the other one. And so all the different exercises that they do for CrossFit, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's amazing. And a lot of people that I know that do CrossFit, they're sort of, what's the right way of saying this? They can be um, sort of uppity about it. Uh-huh. But I like the fact that they get so creative with the workouts yeah, yeah, they do yeah, yeah. to change things up. And that's why I, t- I, I try to do that for my players, and I, I would imagine that Luke Richardson does that for these players, especially when you get to this level. You're doing the same thing. All right, you're doing bench press, you're doing this, you're doing that. I would imagine that every single day is a it's old. bore. Mm-hmm. But doing it and changing it up. so I'll, I'll Keeping keep, it functional, I'm applying it to daily. It's kind of what, from what I hear, what they try to do too. I'm curious as to what the conditioning test will now be with a new sports performance staff in place and how that will yeah. change, how they're looking at it a little differently. And I've always, you know, the conditioning tests, and it's interesting that you brought it up, the conditioning tests have always been, you know, some running, you know, it could be change of direction, it yeah. could be straight sprints, whatever. But it's never anything other than that. And I've always been curious about that, like a weight conditioning yeah, test. Yeah, like where's the, yeah, where's the push-ups or where's yeah, the Yeah, you have to do a certain number of push-ups or, or whatever. Or the wheelbarrow carry or something like that. Fireman's carry. Yeah, you got to yeah. carry Vince Wilfork on this one to be able uh-huh. to. Which would be kind you got to swim with your all your clothes on <laughs> and your shoes on a hundred yards, dragging a buddy. Go. So there you go. That's the, that's going to be the conditioning test, and then the team will get on the plane and then head to the Greenbrier. So thankfully, we will not be doing conditioning tests, no. uh, which will be kind of nice. But I like the one you came up with. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's. I want to. I'm going to see how because I've got progress I need to make. You know, yeah. like. Wasn't happy with my first go around, but I think where did you where did you come up with that? It's a uh, I cobbled it together from that that guy I mentioned. Oh yeah, it's Steve like Smith? it's like three components of his, and he has like a fifteen. There's like no way I, it'd be take me three hours to do it. Yeah, you know, and I'm not. I'd love to be in that sort of shape, but I'm not. But I just you know I was like, let's do some strength and something with your abs, yeah. and then. Uh, since I swim, let's do some endurance. Yeah, you were, you're go. a monster to pool that which. That was the other one that I remember when they sent a conditioning guide to us. The far leg was the one thing that stood out, but the other one was swimming. Really? In and football, they, they – huh. It was I, – I, to this day, to this day, have said the most difficult workout. Now, we never did it at Brown, mm-hmm. but it was – you could either jog – I think it was you could either jog for – on your cool-down day yeah. or your non-training non, non 
sprint explosive cha- uh, explosive change of direction day. You could either swim for 20 minutes or you could jog for an hour. No, you could jog for 45 minutes or play basketball for an hour. Well, if you can't find guys to play basketball with, yeah, you're kind of limited. And it's like I don't, I don't, I never liked jogging, but I do it now mm-hmm. uh, as regularly as I can. I was like, let me try this pool thing. Let me let me try and swim. I mean, would you go to the neighborhood like pool and do this? I would go to the yeah. neighborhood pool. I go to a friend's pool. I would just go back and forth. Thanks for just go uh, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I got out of the pool after 20 minutes. I'm like, oh my god, it, I, I it was. They'll take it out of you. It was, and from that point forward, I always jogged. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to go back in the pool. That is rough. Let me rewind. You, you said I'm, I'm a monster in the pool. Thank you for saying that. But I swim in the mornings before work, and right now, where I swim, I, I'm in this one pool, mm-hmm. and in the other pool, there's probably about 75, 80 high school kids doing their like their club swimming. Oh man, forget they it. are monsters in the pool. I, like that, you just walking by it, walking by that pool to get to my pool. It's like, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not anything serious here. <laughs> when I was, in, when I was in Jacksonville, I worked at a place called the Bowl School for a year. The year I got there was 1997. It was, it was just, it was after the '96 Atlanta Olympics. They pumped a lot of kids into the Olympics, haven't they? In our dorm, there were 12 kids that swam yeah, in the Olympics. I've seen that. Yeah, those jokers would be up and out the door at 4:30. They would walk down. Over to the pool. Mm-hmm. Practice started at five. It went from five to seven, and it was nonstop. I once went there for a practice, and I'm like, "Oh my god, they're all going to die!" Amazing. And they just every day. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, it's unbelievable. The pool workout is. I, I think it's maybe that's a conditioning test that they could throw in for go. the amount of guys that could swim. Drew, appreciate it, brother. Hey, man, we were going to talk about training camp. We, and we were. just wound up talking about exercise. But you know what? That's what Wednesday's about. That's because right. Wednesday will be one week of the day. Where we will be doing a live show from the Greenbrier that night for all access because Texans training camp can't wait live will start the very next morning on that Thursday. Looking forward to that, Drew. Appreciate it, brother. Can't wait, man. Good talking with you. Coming up, we'll go around the league, and well, we're going to focus on an article written by someone from NFL media, seemingly doubting one J.J. Watt. Yeah, we'll see what Bucky Brooks has to say about this and where he got his inspiration from, which I find very interesting. We'll talk about that next right here on Texans All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. I tell you that it's the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio because we're going to take this bad boy on the road Next week, starting Wednesday, we'll do a live show from the Greenbrier, as Mark Vandermeer and I did last year, which was fun to do because we had never been to the Greenbrier, so we didn't know what the setup was going to look like. It was our first time, my first time there. Had our little radio tent. We were right there on the field, like right at the field. Did our show and getting you ready for training camp live the following morning starting at 8 o'clock. So your radio schedule starting not this Wednesday. I'm sorry, starting next Thursday. Not this Thursday, next Thursday. On Sports Radio 610, you will have Mad Radio from 6 to 8 in the morning with Seth, Mike, and Paul. Then you have us from 8 to 10 
And then the rest of the day will follow along as it typically does. You'll have In the Loop with Landry, Fred, and John Lopez, and then you will have Triple Threat. Then that will continue on into the next week, and then it will go through Wednesday of the following week. So two weeks of Texans Training Camp Live. We plan to have plenty of guests for you. Mike D'Antoni was there last year. Hopefully we can catch up with him. The governor of West Virginia, Jim Justice, who I thought was a complete character and so fun to talk to. Hopefully we have a chance to talk with him. I had Lee Trevino on with me one day, which was absolutely awesome. He is the pro at the I can't remember, the Old White, I think it is, is the name of the course uh, up there at the Greenbrier. So we had all kinds of guests join us. We had NFL media that would join us for various things. So we'll have all that kind of stuff for you. We will also do our Texans All Access shows, and we'll also have all of our podcasts. So everything that you need from training camp, you will no doubt get it while we are up there in West Virginia. So, yeah, it sounds like in some sense a working vacation. It kind of is, but just the fact that football is starting is is good enough. So we will kick it off 8 to 10 every single training camp day leading up to the first game against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I believe we're going to fly out for Kansas City that Wednesday afternoon, I believe. So we'll knock out our show, fly to Kansas City, and get ready to play that game against Kansas City on Thursday evening. So you got all that to look forward to. So Texas Training Camp Live, 8 to 10 local time. Now, if you happen to be in West Virginia and you're listening as you're getting ready for practice, it's 9 to 11 local time. It's 8 to 10 here, Houston time. So it's kind of nice. You get to sleep in, I guess, a little bit more. Just means I got more time to get my workout in. Not going to be doing the fartlek as Drew and I talked about. Uh, no, that that won't be happening. But hopefully we get some good, good runs in while we're up in uh, West Virginia and Come back, uh, I don't want to say fat and happy, but uh, in shape and happy. And hopefully, more importantly, this Texas football team will be fully healthy going into that game, the opener against the New England Patriots. But that's that's a little ways off, but training camp is sneaking up on us, which is kind of nice. Now, I mentioned an article on NFL com from Bucky Brooks. Now, if you don't know Bucky, Bucky played in the NFL for a little while. He was a scout in the NFL, and now he works at NFL media, and he kind of runs the game. He does a lot of stuff with the draft, but he also does some – he also looks at the NFL as well. And he did an article that – I think he does it every so often, and he just kind of – it's kind of a potpourri of different things. And this one he talks about the um, – uh, this is his notebook, I guess, as they call it. I don't know if they have a title for it, but he essentially looks at the top five play caller tandems. He talks about some other aspects, and then he hits on the trade of Gronk, or lack thereof, shouldn't trade Gronk. And then his final point, and this is how it's titled, J.J. Watt's Madden rating raises questions. Let me repeat that. J.J. Watt's Madden rating raises questions. Now, I don't know exactly why. Well, I mean, I do. Once you read the article, it makes more sense if you read the whole article. The gist is this. J.J. on Madden ended up with a rating, I believe, was, I think it was 98. He was considered one of the, 
Yeah, he earned an overall 98 grade, which was the same as Julio Jones and Khalil Mack. And Bucky Brooks is incredulous to this fact. And he breaks down a lot of the various things. He said, in a quote, no disrespect to the three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, but he earned the second-highest grade in the game despite missing most of the last two seasons with injury. It's true. While it is unfortunate the injuries slowed down one of the most impressive four-year runs ever by a defensive player, you can't allow Watt's past performance to impact his current grade, particularly when he is coming off a pair of serious injuries. Now, a couple of things here. Number one, to completely write off J.J. as being back at that caliber of player after injuries, I think that's a little bit foolhardy, to be honest with you. We, I don't think anyone really, I don't, I don't think anyone really knows. Here's the thing: when when JJ came off the back injury last year, and I went back and I've watched those. I have not watched the Jacksonville game. I'm I'm not doing that. That's just, I mean, if I if you want a nightmare, if if you want to not sleep at night, watch the opening Jacksonville game. That's not fun to watch. But Cincinnati, New England. And Tennessee, I've I've watched. Now, the Tennessee game, there really isn't a whole lot. The defense faced 40-something plays that game. I mean, that was real, That was all they faced during that game. It was it was remarkable. I want to say the starter, there were some starters that played 32 plays in that game. It was just amazing. But I watched the New England game, and I watched it plenty. And I watched the Cincinnati game, and I've watched it plenty. And that was after a back surgery. And... Yeah, J.J. didn't have a sack through the first four games. But, man, you talk about create pressure off the edge. You talk about playing the run, playing block, playing off blockers better than maybe I would ever seen him. Showing the quickness to do what he had always done. And this is one of the other things I take umbrage with as Bucky Brooks writes this article. He talks about Watt's combination of strength, power, and explosiveness. That is... That's very true. He said, Watt played like a bull in a china shop, tossing blockers around at the point of attack. Number 99's brute strength is overwhelming for most blockers, and his nonstop motor, motor made him near unstoppable on pass rush attempts. Here's the thing. That's, that's, really, that's not true. If you really truly have watched J.J. since he's gotten into the league, the biggest thing about J.J. is his quickness, especially off the ball. Getting off the ball on the snap, and then beating def- uh, offensive linemen into the backfield with penetration. It's really not been about his power or his strength. Now, he does flash that when he rushes the quarterback. But the one thing about trying to block J.J. is he never stops. And he hits you with really good technique. But it's never been one of those where he just bowls guys over and he's just the power animal. That's really not it. If you watch that Patriots game, the first two plays of the game – he swims offensive linemen, quickly penetrates in the backfield, and makes tackles. And when you go back and watch him at his best in 2012, in 2014, a lot of the plays, 2013 as well, a lot of the plays that he's making in those games, he's made it because of his quickness. Now, that might feed the beast a little bit more. Like, well, he just had leg surgery. Is he going to be as quick as he was? I don't think we're going to find out. But it's not as if J.J. relied on brute strength and power all the time. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. J.J. was the full and has been the full complement of skills. His technique has gotten better and better. Nobody can block him in a run, from a run game standpoint 
because he's so quick and so intelligent that he understands exactly how he wants to get into the backfield and then still does it even though teams are designed to stop him. But to say that he is a mixture of brute force and power, and yeah, he's got all those traits and he's got all those skills, but he doesn't rely just on power to get things done. His game runs the full gamut, but it really is his quickness. And after having back surgery, he still had that quickness. That was still there. Now, you throw a leg injury on top of that, okay, we don't know. Should J.J. have been a 98 in a man game? Who cares, really, other than people that play the game? It doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's a projection of you going into the game, and obviously J.J.'s history when he's been on the field is to be the most dominant defensive player in the league. Now, obviously, the last two years, if he plays 16 games the last two years, is there any fall off in his play? Where are the Texans? If they have him in both years, I mean, who's to say? We don't know. Is it fair to question, well, what can he be? Yes. That's with two injuries back-to-back? Sure. There are a lot of people. I mean, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure J.J. wonders what exactly he's going to be able to do after missing two straight years with injuries. There's probably just a small part of him that wonders that. So is it fair? Sure. Yeah, that's fair. But is it fair and then base it off just complete incorrect? Incorrect. Characterization of his assets that make him great? Yeah, I think that's I think that's wrong. I think it's wrong. If you've watched JJ, you know it's quickness. It's speed. It's his ability to get down the line of scrimmage, and it's his technique, playing and play out. And I haven't even mentioned how hard he plays, his effort, the relentlessness, his ability to get to the quarterback in a multitude of different ways. Yeah, he uses strength. But his technique is so good. Understanding leverage. Those are all things he does. It's not just, he's 295 pounds of just brute strength. That's not him. That's not him. Whatsoever. And then, of course, Bucky gets into, well, the Texans could get out of the contract with J.J. in 2018. All this kind of stuff. Listen, I I don't even think we're going to get to that point. I think you're going to see a J.J. Look, is he going to get to 20 sacks? Man, you know how hard that is? He did that twice in his career. That is incredibly hard to get to. If J.J. gets to double-digit sacks, has double-digit TFLs, consistently impacts games, he's still getting two and three blockers every single play. Is there going to be a drop-off? No one knows. Is it fair to think, yeah, maybe? Yeah, sure. But don't do it mischaracterizing him as being just brute force. That's not what it is. That's not what he is. Can't get here fast enough. I know that for a fact. Big thanks to Drew. Thanks to Mark Vandermeer for being by. Thanks to you guys for listening. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.